The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through mission, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. This morning, as a gift to me, one of my friends has come to preach for me so that we can be on spring break, even at our own home. So I'm glad to welcome this morning Andrew Flatgard. He's a minister at InTown Prez in Atlanta, Georgia. He's married to Shelly, and they have Mary Spencer, Reagan, and Samuel. And he's graciously come up here and videoed this sermon to give me a little bit of a break. We're so grateful for his friendship, and we're grateful for the opportunity for him to share God's word with you. Well, good morning, and thank you, Jared, for inviting me to be here. It's great to be back home in Tennessee, as I lived many years in Memphis, and uh, my wife is from Nashville, too. Uh, But more than that, I just appreciate your friendship, Jared, so thank you for having me here. Our scripture this morning is Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 24. Acts chapter 2, 14 through 24. If you want to grab a Bible, I'll tell you a little bit about this passage. We have to acknowledge first that we are living in a new normal. We are making a thousand decisions every day and all of them are affected by what's going on right now. And so I think it's helpful to turn to a chapter of scripture that talks directly about how we must live and how the church should be the church. Right now, one of the questions we're asking is, what does it mean to be the church? How do you live out being the church when you can't all get together in one room? Well, I think Acts chapter 2 is very helpful in that way uh, because it describes the launch of the church right after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit began to minister to the apostles. Now, before I read the scripture, I also want to mention what's going on here. Our scripture this morning is a sermon. It's from the apostle Peter. What has happened is uh, Peter and the apostles have been in a room. The Holy Spirit has come to them and rushed upon them. They then go outside of this room and begin to speak in different languages, at least 13 different languages, in fact, to different people groups. And while they're doing that, not everyone is able to understand every language. And so some people look around and think, wow, these men must be drunk or something. Uh, and some others just don't know what to make of the crazy situation. Uh, so it's, it's in that context that Peter begins a sermon, which is our scripture. He steps outside and begins to preach. So Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 24. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this scripture that you have saved for us through the centuries that we get to read now. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage us now, that you would comfort us with the comfort that you gave Jesus when he walked the earth. And Lord, we feel all sorts of different feelings now. Some of our feelings are hard to identify. We feel uh, anxiety. We feel fear. Uh, we feel just, we feel distracted, Lord. Would you help us in these few minutes to center on what you have to say to us? And most of all, would you help us to see Jesus? And we pray in his name, amen. Are you tired of looking at screens? I'm tired of looking at screens. I look at the screen that is my phone. I look at my wife's phone. I look at laptop computers, desktop computers, monitors. I'm doing Zoom meetings with people. Maybe you are as well. And after a while, you just want to take a break because you're so tired of looking at screens. Maybe you feel that way too. Well, did you know that there is a town in America where people almost never look at screens? Even if you'd visited this town a year ago, you would see that no one's really on any cell phone and they're talking. This town is in uh, Green Bank, West Virginia. And if you visit there, you'll realize as you visit there that your cell phone loses bars. You don't get any connection. You see payphones that dot the landscape. And when you do see someone on the phone, they're on a landline. Well, why is it that way? Why is social media pretty much non-existent and there's no Wi-Fi there? It is because in the town of Green Bank is the world's largest steerable telescope. It changes position several times a day and it's incredibly powerful. So powerful, in fact, that if you were standing on the planet Saturn, with your phone in airplane mode, this telescope could pick you up from one billion miles away. It's so powerful, but here's the thing about this powerful telescope. Uh, almost anything will throw off its ability to pick up things. Even a malfunctioning electric toothbrush in the town can throw off this telescope. And of course, any cell phone usage or Wi-Fi throws it off as well. So the people who live there have chosen to live there and they like living there. One high school senior named Charity was interviewed and asked, what is it like to not be on social media for hours a day like so many other teenagers are? And she said very simply, well, instead of jumping online after school for a few hours, I put on my running shoes and I go outside and I run. And when it's dinner time, I go into the kitchen and I help my mom uh, make, make dinner. We, we create that together. And when she was asked, what do you do then? Uh, 
throughout the day other than that she said well we talk there's not a lot a lot else to do we talk and I think what's the case is that the people in Green Bank uh, understand something that that we have been feeling quite a bit and that is that we need uh, a face-to-face in the flesh connection with each other to look at screens is just not enough. The people of Green Bank understand something that we are feeling, especially right now, that we need connection with people. And it's something that they uh, experience all of the time. Now, right now, we are relying on screens, and that can be a very good thing, especially when technology helps connect us with people that we know and love. But still, in the midst of that, looking at screens, we want to be with people. We want to hear people um, and see them in the flesh. Well, as we look for guidance now on how to live and how to be the church, as I mentioned earlier, there's maybe no better chapter in Scripture than Acts chapter 2 because it is the launch of the church. The actions that the apostles and others take throughout Acts chapter 2 needs to characterize our lives. And Peter's sermon in the few verses we're looking at is the foundation of church connection because it speaks of the unity that we have in Christ and how he achieved that unity for us through his life, death, and resurrection. So there are three things that I want to share with you uh, this morning. The first is from Peter's sermon. First, I want to talk about the death of Jesus. Second, the resurrection of Jesus. And then third, ask the question, what do we do now? So first, the death of Jesus. Second, the resurrection of Jesus. And third, what do we do now? First, the death of Jesus. Well, as Peter is beginning to preach, he wants to prepare his people for what he's about to say. He's a good pastor in that way. He's concerned about what they're feeling and thinking, and he knows that some of them think that he is drunk, and that some of the other apostles are drunk too. And so he says to them, look, it's only the third hour of the day, meaning nine o'clock in the morning. I'm not drunk. The apostles are not drunk right now. We're speaking in different languages as to who God is and how glorious Jesus is. And so in preaching to them about who Jesus is, he, he quotes the prophet Joel. And he says a few things that Joel said hundreds of years ago. And Peter's point is this, that what Joel prophesied hundreds of years before then was happening right then. So one of the first things that Peter identifies from Joel's prophecy is that God said hundreds of years earlier, it shall be that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Peter's saying that's what's happening right now. That God the Father is pouring out his spirit on all flesh and not just a few people, not just the apostles, but on other people as well. Sons, daughters, old, young, male servants, female servants. They're having the spirit poured out on them so that they will prophesy. So what this means is the Spirit of God is coming into people's lives and they are talking about Jesus as if they know him because they know him. They're talking about him in a very first-person way. I know him. I love him. I saw him on the cross. He died for me. They are speaking about God. And, God's, and God spoke to the prophet Joel in effect saying, these people will talk about me, young and old, male and female servants. They will bear witness Peter also mentions that Joel prophesied that the sun shall be turned to darkness on the day of the Lord. The sun shall be turned to darkness. Well, for the people listening to Peter that day, they would remember that just about six weeks prior to that, Jesus died on the cross and the sun was turned to darkness. 
from 12 noon to 3 p.m. The last three hours Christ was on the cross. Joel prophesied that. Peter's hearers experienced that. And Peter is saying, look, that portion of scripture that you love, that Joel prophesied is happening right now. It is the day of the Lord. And this day of the Lord, Peter says, is a magnificent day. It's the day in which Jesus took upon himself the punishment that is due us for our wickedness, our rebellion against God. Instead, Jesus took that on himself. And Peter, Peter says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, Peter wants to identify for people precisely so they know who the Lord is. The Lord is God. And Peter says, the Lord is the one that you walked with, that you followed around. He is Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter begins to press even more deeply. He says, look, this Jesus was the one attested to you by God. He did mighty works and signs and wonders, and you yourselves saw these things. Do you remember? You saw the blind be able to see again. You saw that the deaf who could not hear began to hear for the first time. You saw a paralyzed man whose muscles had atrophied. You, you saw him. You, saw, you heard the Lord forgive him of his sins, which was his greater need. And you saw him stand up and walk away with his mat. You yourselves saw Jesus. And he is the one who is attested to you by God. And listen, Peter says, this was all part of God's plan for his son, Jesus. This was not an accident. It was a plan. Peter begins to press a little further into the hearts of his listeners when he says, you crucified and killed him. You did this. You put him up on the cross. Now, some of Peter's listeners may have actually participated in that day about six weeks earlier in jeering on and cheering on this sort of thing, the Jesus going to the cross. But Peter's deeper point is that everyone there who was listening to him uh, are, are responsible and, in fact, crucified Jesus. And, and the reason he can say that is that God the Father laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all, the prophet Isaiah says. God the Father laid on Jesus our sins and the punishment that we deserve. And so we are the ones who crucified Christ. Peter then wants them to respond. They, the people, his, his hearers, have been cut to the heart. They want to respond. He leads them to respond. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So call on Jesus. Peter later in the chapter will say very specifically, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit poured out on, on this crowd here. You will receive this gift of the Holy Spirit to repent and be baptized. It's great news that Peter is preaching to the crowd in crazy times then. Now, God the Father, as I mentioned, then willingly breaks his son on the cross and lays upon him the guilt of our sins. It's through his brokenness that we are healed. Well, in the last week, I've been reading the New York Times, and uh, one of my uh, columnists I follow, David Brooks, has written a lot about uh, our situation and all that we're dealing with. And about a week ago, he made this point. He said, you know, have you noticed that music and art are already filling the emotional gaps left by the absence of direct human contact? 
Has that been the case for you? You miss getting together with people. You miss the face-to-face in the flesh connection. Have you turned to the, to the arts in some way? Are you performing music in some way in your home, listening to music, watching films, uh, reading books in some way, something uh, in music and art? Has that ministered to you and helped your heart? When the, in the last few weeks, I have found a form of Japanese art that has ministered to me. It's called Kintsugi art, Kintsugi and it uh, started about 500 years ago. And uh, it has to do with a tea bowl. You'll see now this beautiful black bowl that is a tea bowl because uh, drinking tea is a big deal in Japan. And you see, as you look at the picture, you see, first of all, a hand there, and that hand is there for scale. And you see, of course, the beautiful black bowl. But what are your eyes especially drawn to? Your eyes are drawn to those beautiful golden lines there. That is Kintsugi art that started about 500 years ago. It was back then that the Japanese leader Ashikaga Yoshimasa sent a broken tea bowl to China to be fixed. The bowl came back to him in Japan with these staples that were uh, unsightly. And so several artists in Japan removed the staples and they took this tree sap lacquer and dipped it in in golden powder and began to meld the bowl back together. And they did not paint back over those those beautiful lines they created with some other color to try to hide the break. Instead, they allowed the beautiful gold to shine where you could see the break. When you see the picture, that's what what your, your eyes are drawn to, those beautiful golden lines. And the Japanese word kintsugi means uh, gold mend. It's when a bowl has been mended in this way. In this beautiful form of Japanese art, there has to be brokenness before the beauty. The bowl has to be broken in some way before the artist can step in and pour this beautiful tree sap lacquer uh, in the color of gold to make something that is stronger than before and that is more beautiful than before. Kintsugi art is a great picture of the death of Christ. He was broken, and now he has this mended body. God the Father healed him. He died. He was in the tomb. God the Father gave him new air and new blood, healed his body. And it's a great picture of Jesus for you and I. He was broken. Uh, But uh, through that brokenness, he was mended by the Father, and we are the ones who benefit. After Christ was raised from the dead, most of the apostles saw him pretty quickly, except for Thomas. Thomas had not seen him, and Thomas said to his friends, I won't believe until I put my hands in his wounds. I won't believe until I see the brokenness of Christ's body. As you know, Christ came to Thomas and took his hand and said, Look, here, press into my wounds. See them. Press into my side. It was as if Jesus was looking at Thomas and saying, look, I have this kintsugi body. It was broken for you. And my father poured gold into these mended places. He healed me. And now, Thomas, I'm healing you. This kintsugi bowl is a great picture of Christ's body. And I think it's also a picture of the spiritual union that we have with Christ. Scripture says that the life of Christ is our life right now that his death is our death, that when he died on the cross, he buried our sins, both the power of sins and the penalty that we deserve. Scripture says, by his stripes, in fact, you and I are healed. 
His life is our life. His death is our death. And his resurrection is our resurrection too. Christ pours his beautiful golden grace into our broken places and heals us, makes us into something more beautiful. In fact, he forgives us of our sins and he gives us new spiritual life. So call in the name of Jesus, if you, especially if you've never done this before, if you've never placed your heart's trust in the Lord Jesus, do that now. Call on him. This sermon applies to us today. Repent and be baptized. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. Well, looking back to this sermon, a lot happened because of this sermon. 3,000 people came to know the Lord Jesus, and they began to spread out among the region and the globe. And you might say that your salvation, if you've come to the Lord Jesus, can be tied back to this sermon. It's the launch of the church as faithful men and women have spanned the globe to take the gospel around. And ultimately, you've come to Christ. There's a very personal connection we have to this sermon. So first, I mentioned the death of Jesus we want to focus on. Second, I want us to focus on the resurrection of Jesus, too, from this sermon. After Peter explains the death of Jesus, he, he speaks of the resurrection in the very last verse of our scripture today, in which Peter says, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Why did Jesus have to be raised from the dead. He had to be raised from the dead because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Because God is a, is a God of life and love and his father would not allow him to be dead forever. It was not possible for him to be held by death, which is temporary. Jesus had to be raised from the dead so that you and I could be raised from the dead too because God loves us. We are in spiritual union with Christ. His life is our life. His death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. For us to be raised from the dead, Christ had to be the first to be raised from the dead. And scripture speaks about this, that Christ is the firstborn among many brethren, that he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or died, that his is the first resurrection of a harvest of resurrections to come. He is our hope for this life, and he is our hope for the next life too. So we anchor our faith in him. There also had to be a resurrection so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out on men and women. When Jesus walked the earth before his death, the disciples asked him all about uh, his life. And he said to them, look, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away from you. Because if I don't go away, the helper, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Christ had to be raised from the dead so that he could ascend to the right hand of God the Father Almighty and so that they together could send the Spirit to be poured out on the people in this day that Peter spoke to and also to be poured out on you too. He had to be raised from the dead so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out on you and I. And the Apostle Paul in Titus chapter 3 mentions that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He is in your heart. He's given you a new life. He has replaced your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Well, earlier in Acts chapter 1, the disciples were walking along with Jesus and they asked him, this is when he was, uh, after he was resurrected, the disciples asked Jesus, is now the time when you will restore the nation Israel? That was the limited focus they had. Now, Lord, will you remove the Roman power and will you restore the nation Israel? And he responded to them. He said, no, listen, Two things will happen. 
First, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. And second, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. That's what Peter is saying to his listeners. The Holy Spirit is being poured out on you now, and you will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus says the same to you and I. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on you and I. God has poured his kintsugi gold into your broken places and made you beautiful and brought you healing. And now we are witnesses to take his gospel to the whole world. So I spoke of the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Finally, I want to focus on what do we do now? The Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. How do we be witnesses of the gospel? How do we be the church right now with different limitations we have and just trying to navigate life? How do we do that? Well, Peter spoke to thousands of people. We can't get together as thousands of people or hundreds of people or even a dozen people right now. So how do you witness to people? How do you let people know about the goodness of God? Well, loving people right now means actually not getting together with them in person. As we all work to flatten the curve of uh, this terrible disease, loving people means not getting together in reckless ways, first of all. And loving people means maintaining social distance from them. So how do you, how do, you do that? If, if now is the time uh, to share and to witness about Jesus, how do, you, how do you do that? Well, first we want to mention that God, and we want to remember too, that God is at work in your life. His purposes are not hindered in the slightest bit by the disease that, that we're talking about so much right now. God is at work in your life. Have you noticed just how deeply you have felt uh, emotions over the last several weeks? And what are the emotions that you felt so deeply? You felt uh, fear of the unknown, I imagine. You You have felt anxiety, both for our society, anxiety for your family, uh, maybe anxiety for your body right now, anxiety about work. Um, I imagine you felt a great deal of sadness as well. Sadness for what you've lost, sadness for what you are losing. There are all sorts of deep emotions that we're feeling right now. God is at work through those emotions in your life. God has emotions, and he created you and I to to feel things deeply. It's to our benefit to feel things deeply because emotions, our emotions, help us to interpret and to digest what's going on. Now, your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, your associates are having these deep feelings too, right? And sometimes they're unable to even understand the feelings that they're having. Um, Have you noticed that you're feeling things deeply? Your friends are too. And when you talk, conversations tend to go deep quickly. You tend to get to the heart of the matter quickly these days. Well, that presents an opportunity to love people. One of the main uh, applications of Acts chapter 2 is that you and I are called to pray for people. As we look at the life of Jesus, we know that he prayed constantly for people. Even though we're called to, to as we're called to socially distance from people right now, we're able to pray for them. We're able to pray for them. So first I want to say, what do we do right now? We need to pray for people. First, we need to pray for people. So I think we need to start also by praying for ourselves. We're feeling things very deeply. We are struggling in different ways as to how to navigate life. The scripture says to us, don't be anxious about 
anything but through prayer, make your requests known to God. God is eager to hear from you. And it's a good thing to be praying to God right now. It's one way that we can get out our emotions and put words to them. And uh, it's one reason that therapy and counseling is so powerful because to sit down with someone and just to say out loud these things that we carry in our heart is so powerful. And God invites you and I to pray for many different reasons, one of which is to help us get out what we're feeling. Let me encourage you to pray honest prayers right now. Uh, you, may, you may feel inside, you may want to pray to, to the Lord. Uh, Lord Jesus, if I'm honest right now, I care more about Netflix than I do my neighbors. Would you change that, Lord? Would you help my heart so that I can love my neighbors and care more about them than I do about Netflix? In living with people and maybe being confined in your home or apartment or condo, you're finding that... You maybe don't have as much patience as you thought you did. Uh, it can be really challenging to live with people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and not get out much. Uh, when you reach the end of your rope, when you feel this sense of, I, I, I can't go any further, I have a hard time loving these people I'm with, that's a great time to pray. To pray an honest prayer to the Lord. Lord, I, I don't have anything else in me right now. Would you help me? Would you give me your patience and your love and your kindness and your gentleness because I'm at the end of my rope. So first, pray for yourself and then pray for other people. As you pray for people, God softens your heart toward them and conversations you have with them begin to change as well because you just begin to to care for people more the more that you pray for them. Praying for people is good for our heart right now. And that is part of evangelism. That is part of witnessing. Praying is praying for people to come and know the Lord Jesus. Scripture says, cast all of your cares on him for he cares for you. And that was a great time to do that. Pray for people. That's a great thing we can do right now that's modeled in Acts chapter 2. Second, not only do we need to pray for people, we need to share our lives with people. So share your life with people. I'm convinced that this is the only path to joy right now, that we must share our lives with people. The Apostle Paul talks about the great benefit there is to our, to our lives when we, when we begin to share our lives with other people. When he was in prison, when he was sheltering in place in this prison cell, he wrote a lot of different letters. One of them he wrote um, is called Philemon. And one of the verses there mentions that the sharing of your life, the sharing of your faith is so powerful because the Holy Spirit will remind you and give you a full knowledge of all you have in Christ. So as you share your life with other people and and look for opportunities to speak about the goodness of God, the Holy Spirit's ministering to you and reminding you of all you have in Jesus and that he loves you. This is the path to joy. Share your life with people. God has poured his gold into your broken places, and you can pour gold into the broken places of others. Now, for many of you right now, sharing your life means using screens, right? Video conferencing, calls, texts, emails in some way. Um, When it comes to sharing your life with people, first focus on sharing your life with the people that you live with. They are your neighbors. It might be family. It could be roommates. Talk with them. Share what's on your heart. Ask God to help you listen and to draw out the feelings of others right now, too. And look for opportunities to speak of the kindness of Jesus 
It can take years for adults to come to Christ. It's not up to you to directly lead people to Jesus right now within the next two weeks, but we are called to be faithful uh, and called to be witnesses whenever we can. It means mentioning the name of Jesus whenever we have the opportunity. So one question that I imagine you're getting a lot now from neighbors, or maybe you're asking other people, is this question, how are you dealing with all of this? What are you doing right now in our our new normal? How are you doing and how are you dealing with all of this? It's a great question to ask somebody. And when you're asked that question, just answer honestly. Tell them about the routine you've set up, the schedule, the exercise, the uh, whatever else it is. And part of your weekly routine is to get online on Sunday mornings and to uh, engage in worship through streaming worship uh, of Jesus. That's an opportunity to tell people about what you're doing Sunday morning and how much it means to you to see your pastor Jared and to sing those songs about the goodness of God. That's an opportunity there. We also witness the gospel of Jesus, not only when we mention his name and his goodness, but how we live our lives too, right? One way to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus is to reach out to people who are hurting in your neighborhood, for example, And as you do that, um, let me encourage you, instead of saying to someone in need, hey, how can I help you right now? Maybe try to be a little more specific because when you say to somebody, how can I help you right now? That puts the onus on them to figure out the kind of help they need, first of all, and then second, to decide if you are capable of giving that help and if they wanna ask you to give that sort of help. Instead of just saying the broad question, hey, how can I help you? Maybe be more specific for what you understand the needs of that person to be. For example, if you're talking to somebody who you know is nervous about going to the grocery store right now, could be an older person, could be somebody with a compromised immune system, maybe you say to that person, hey, the next time I go to the grocery store, I'm gonna call you, I'm gonna text you, and I want you to tell me what I can pick up for you, okay? That's a way where you can minister to somebody and and not put the weight on them to have them get in touch with you, but you knowing that person can love them and get more specific in that way. That is being a witness to the gospel uh, of Jesus. So first I mentioned pray for people, and second, share your life and heart with people, and third, um, go outside. It's really simple, but, but go outside whenever you can. I feel a little bit silly telling people in Chattanooga to go outside because whenever I come here, people are outside all the time. There's a, it's a culture of being outside, which is great. And I realize that not everyone can get outside right now, particularly if you are isolated. Uh, and so for some people, maybe getting outside is just opening a window. But let me encourage you over these next several weeks and months to get outside as much as you can. There's life-giving beauty out there. The scripture says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies above proclaim his handiwork. The Lord speaks to us through his creation. He communicates to us his presence and his care and his love through the beauty of creation. So get outside. What happens when you go outside? Your posture changes. Your breathing becomes uh, uh, deeper. You take in the sunlight. There's life-giving beauty outside. And right now is a great time to go outside with the azaleas in bloom and the cherry blossom trees in bloom as well. Beauty heals the wounds of brokenness, said one of my favorite mentors. Beauty heals the wounds of brokenness. Getting outside, 
seeing and smelling and touching God's creation is powerful in particular when you're staring at a two-dimensional screen a lot of the day. The beauty of God's creation is the golden lacquer to mend your heart as you carry so much right now. It is his gift to you, so go outside. And I mentioned go outside because that will help us to pray for people. And that will help us to share our lives with people too. What happens when you go outside? Well, you see people. And you see where they live, where they live. And when you see them, that's, that's a prompt to pray for them. When you see where they live, that's a prompt to pray for them as well. And that is part of witnessing the gospel prayer is when you see people. And also share your life with people. Well, you do that when you're outside. Have you found you're having conversations with people and maybe neighbors you've never met before? And conversations go deeply with them? That's an opportunity to share your life, to talk about what's going on in your life. Sometimes uh, we're feeling broken and sad and afraid. We need to share openly uh, what's going on in our lives. There's no need to hide that. Part of this Japanese uh, art that I mentioned, the Kintsugi art, is that uh, embedded in the art is this deep philosophy of not hiding imperfections not hiding flaws and not hiding brokenness. In fact, it's the opposite. Part of this Kintsugi art is the highlighting of brokenness. As a philosophy, this art treats brokenness and mending as part of the history of an object and not something to hide. It's not something that's ugly. In fact, it's something that's really beautiful. We would say that about Christ's body, wouldn't we? His resurrected body, his Kintsugi body that God mended. We say that also about your body too, your body and soul. For God has poured his gold into your brokenness. He has saved you. He has forgiven you. And he is healing you, body and soul. He is mending you with his grace and beauty. And because the Spirit has poured, been poured out on you, you can pour gold into others' brokenness right now. That is the path of joy. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, if we're honest right now, we feel so many feelings during the week that are hard to identify and understand. I pray that you would help us over this next week, that you would carry us, that you would minister to us, Lord, and that you would give us your power, your strength to pray for people, to share our lives with people, and to get outside to enjoy the beauty that you have created. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.